Welcome. I'm Megan Smiley, and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've followed the rules, worked really hard to climb the ladder, but are looking around now and thinking, is this it? Is this my life? I hear you. You want more. You want freedom, fulfillment, purpose. But you don't really see how that's going to happen in the traditional work world. You're entrepreneurship curious, but it seems daunting and risky and sort of just unrealistic. In this podcast, I'm going to help you see just how possible it is to build a business and by extension, and really importantly, a life that you'll genuinely enjoy waking up to every morning. Welcome. Our guest today is Sejal Thakar, a former employment law attorney, a two-time TEDx speaker, and the founder and chief civility officer at Train Extra, a woman minority-owned training consulting firm where she helps leaders create positive, safe, and respectful workplaces through customized training and coaching. In our conversation, we take a deep dive into Sejal's journey from practice to entrepreneurship. And as you'll hear, it wasn't a one-way street. She left practice to launch a business um, and have more time at home with her son. But at a certain point, some stability was preferable and she went back and had a job, which she then left after a little while again when she was called back to sort of a full-time entrepreneurial venture. And I just highlight this to normalize it. This journey is often non-linear and there's nothing wrong with that and it's really a natural part of the evolution. So Sejal walks us through how she thought through this and how she balanced wanting to prioritize this purpose-driven work, um, being a present mom, also being a single mom and therefore the sole provider in her family and the financial stress that comes with that. Um, And finally, uh, we talk a bit about uh, the importance of networking for long-term career development, whatever the arena. Uh, Sejal is a real master in this space and gives us some some great pointers um, and strategies on that front. So uh, I think it's a great conversation and you'll get a lot out of it. So on to the episode. Sejal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Megan. I'm excited to be here with you today. Yes, I'm excited for our conversation. So I like to start with everyone sort of way back at the beginning of our journey as lawyers and ask what sort of prompted you to go to law school in the first place? I love that question. You know, growing up, my dad used to always mention um, to me and and even my, my mom and my brother that he thought I would become a lawyer one day. He used to always say that, you know, I was at, I would ask why a lot. I was very curious at a constant stream of questions coming at him. And, and it used to remind him of his own dream of attending law school. And, mm. and, you know, he had the dream of doing that when he was back in India. But when they moved here to the United States in 1974, you know, he, he didn't really, he wasn't able to pursue that. So mm-hmm. as I got, as I got a little bit older, you know, I found myself increasingly, increasingly being drawn to the idea of studying law. And, um, you know, it was just a way for me to gain a deep understanding of our legal system in a way that I can help other people and to do something that I'm super passionate about, which is to advocate for justice. Mm, yeah. 
And what was your experience like of law school? Did it kind of match up with your expectations at that stage? It did. Yeah. I mean, law school was a, was a great experience. You know, I mean, education in and of itself has been sort of an escape for me. Is some, somewhere <laughs> yes. where everything else can be falling apart. But when it comes to school and work, I've always kept it together for the most part. And yeah. so law school was great because it really challenged me. You know, I learned a lot. Um, you know, not as much as practical skills as I would have liked, but as book law, you know, learning yeah. about the, the laws and getting exposure to different types of law that helped me kind of fine tune the areas that I wanted to focus in on. Yeah. And what were those areas for you? So, you know, I ended up once I graduated law school um, for a majority of my litigation career, I have been practicing as an employment law attorney. So mm-hmm. that kind of fell into my lap, honestly, because I knew I wanted to do something that dealt with discrimination and harassment, but I didn't know if I was going to do more like civil rights law and, and, and you know dealing more with the amend- Bill of Rights and doing the amendment stuff, or if I wanted to do, you know, some other area of of law, the constitutional law was something that I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. But when I got done with my bar, when I was studying for my bar exam, I had an opportunity that came along where I could represent employers in unemployment law hearings. And so mm-hmm. that for that, you didn't have to have your bar license yet. So it was a perfect way for me to get my dip my feet in. Mm-hmm. And so that led to me really, you know, working with organizations on their unemployment law hearings. And that's where I got exposure to the discrimination and harassment claims that go along with that. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to help create better cultures. And so for the next, from 2003 to 2012, I spent a majority of my litigation uh, career doing civil employment law attorney work, but I was specializing in defense. And I represented various clients in legal matters, but for the most part, I was representing supervisors, managers in cases that dealt with harassment and discrimination. Right. And how did you like it? I mean, partially I ask that in general, but also partially I ask it um, in the sense of, you know, was that justice itch getting scratched working sort of on the management side primarily? You know, I, when I was doing that litigation work, I, I it really got me to a point where I was able to get a, and develop a deep understanding of legal strategies and nuances. Mm-hmm. But Megan, I realized very early on that litigation really wasn't the right fit for me. Mm. Um, I've always been more inclined towards conflict resolution, towards mediation, towards really proactively helping to create better workplaces, right? So coming in on the back end and and really sort of cleaning up the mess really was felt like it was too late for me to do what I was, I knew that I was passionate about, right? Right. So when I recognized, you know, the turning point really came when I recognized an opportunity where I was like, you know, I can leverage my legal background and experience to actually help educate and empower others and so that's what led me to starting my own company in November of 2017, where I was like, instead of the jury room, I found my calling in the training room, right? right. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, I'm curious in terms of that decision process, um, was, you know, moving away from practice per se, was there any sort of drama of, for you about that? Or was it just after that period of time... It wasn't really a question of, you know, 
changing the environment you were practicing law in, you were just like, I just think my work is not in the practice itself. You know, it, it really was the birth of my son that, that really mm. made me take a look at what I was doing. Um, but honestly, the minute I laid my eyes on him, I knew that I wanted to work from home so I can be with him. Uh, and so yeah. that, you know, we all have that sort of pivotal moment. And so yeah. that's where I made the, the significant decision mm. to kind of step away from my law firm job and transition to working from home. So that was back in 2012. And Fortunately, I had cultivated some really strong professional connections so that I was able to continue still practicing and working mm. from home remotely. So I did that, continued to, to work remotely. But at the same time, what I started to do was I started looking at other avenues where I was like, what are some other things that I could be doing? And just started experimenting. You know, I started teaching on employment law related topics at a couple of universities out in San Diego, a couple of online universities. I started getting into the education in that way. Mm -hmm. And then I started doing workplace investigations and I was like, okay, well, maybe this is what I could do. Cause I had done a lot of investigations during my litigation career as well. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I can do more of those. And then I also started doing more uh, training, uh, doing your sort of your anti-harassment compliance training and, yeah. and doing some of that diversity inclusion. So I kind of put my eggs in a lot of different baskets to yeah. really expand, expand my skill set and diversify the offerings and contribute in a more meaningful way to organizations. Right. So that's yeah. kind of how I started doing it. Um, yeah. I love yeah. that because I always tell people that I, I think there's this sort of concept that you have to, you know, go from your position and sit in a room by yourself and think like, what is the next right thing for me to do? And then execute it, you know, at level 10. And, and really, there is this kind of in between stage of experimenting and trying things on and just seeing sort of what naturally calls to you a bit. Absolutely. I mean, Megan, I did, I had no plan of, of starting my own business. You know, I, yeah. I, I have, I've had parents that, and I think I mentioned this to you during our call, you know, our initial call yeah. was I had parents that had their own businesses my whole life and I was against it. I was adverse to mm. it because I was like, I know how much you have to work and how demanding it can be. Yeah. Um, and so I really didn't have a, a, an inclination to do that. But like I said, you know, when I had my son, I knew I wanted to be at home with him. And so I, I really kind of got into what I like to say is I got into that hustle mindset, right? Where I was like, okay, I'm going to take on side jobs. I'm going to yeah. explore additional, I'm going to do whatever I can to, yeah. while I'm growing my company. And so I, I, I had no, you know, I, I didn't really have a set plan where mm. I was like, okay, here's my client list. I'm going to go, you know, I didn't right. have any of that. So I was just kind of figuring it out as I went. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sort of, you know, growth mindset, that beginner's mindset is, is so critical when you're trying to really determine which direction you want to go. Absolutely. And I think, I think the other thing I'll add, um, you know, is that it, you have to do a lot of networking. You know, I, I, mm. I proactively engaged in so many different networking events. I, you know, I joined the local chamber of commerce out in San Diego. I joined their local society for human, 
human resource management chapters and, and really lived on LinkedIn. I was, I was so dedicated and focused on growing my connections on LinkedIn that I, I had to just really, you know, I, I would put like three hours a day or four hours a day onto just networking and none of that paid. So, right. you know, it's really, it really does, um, really does boil down to, you know, when you have your own business, it's like how much effort you put into it, who you know, really can help you go a long way. But that being said, I, so I tried everything. Yeah. And then in 2015, I said, you know what, I need a, I need a, a steady income. You know, mm-hmm. I did, I need to go back into work full time. My son had gotten a little bit older. And so I decided to re-enter and go back to work. I, I wasn't going to go back to litigation, but I came across an opportunity at the University of um, California in San Francisco mm-hmm. as a complaint resolution officer. So really just specializing in EEO investigations. And so I did that for a couple of years, for two and a half years, and I gained a lot of valuable insights and experience in this role. But again, it, it took me away from my my non-negotiable, which was mm. to be at home with my son. And I thought I can do it. I was like, okay, I'll do the eight to five thing. And then I'll come yep. home and be with him. But it ended up being almost working law firm hours. And oh. so again, <laughs> in 2017, then I finally made that bold decision where I'm like, I'm going to venture out again on my own and just, you know, just go for it. Yeah. I also love that because I, th- I think what this illustrates is people think there's this like one way linear path mm-hmm. that we navigate our careers. Yeah. And, and what that shows is, you know, you go, you try some things and sometimes there's a season for, for that. And sometimes there's a season for stability and it doesn't mean you can never have a paycheck again, if that, <laughs> that doesn't serve you. But then if, if the, the weights move in the other direction again, I just think there's a level of flexibility and, um, you know, variety that you can mix into your career path without it sort of being like, everything's gone wrong. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you don't, you know, there's not when you're going and having your own business. I mean, you can certainly Mm -hmm. do, do a lot, you know, as far as planning and preparation and mitigating risks, you know, and, 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 but, but I think it's at a certain point you, you have to just have faith Mm -hmm. in yourself and, and trust that, you know, the, for me, I looked at like, okay, I, I have a lot of diverse experience and expertise. You know, I, I, I purposefully not put everything in, in one basket. And so yeah. even now, even this long after having my own business, you know, where I thought I was going to be and where I am are totally different. You know, I'm still yeah. moving in that same sort of direction of what my passion is and what my, where, what, what kind of impact I want to leave on this world. I'm still yeah. moving in that direction, but how I get there is changing. Right, right. You know, I think there are these kind of ideas of like your true north, both both in terms of sort of the legacy of the work that you want to do, but also the legacy of the life and how your work fits in with the rest of the life that you want to lead, like in your case, being home with your with your son, you know, how if you're taking steps towards sort of fulfilling both of those goals, it may the form and substance may look a little different along the line, even than you expect. But the idea is that you're, you're moving to, towards the true north the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what, you know, this most, you know, recent chapter of going out on your own has looked like. Yeah. You know, I mean, the hardest part 
um, has been really the financial aspect, you know, mm-hmm. that, that is stepping away from the stable income, both, you know, the first time and the second time, really, you know, I knew that I was, I was going to have to navigate some uncertainties um, of yeah. doing that again. Um, but again, as I said, my desire to be at home with him, it, I, I just realized like that was my priority. And so right. I just had to, you know, I, it finally became my non-negotiable, right? So I, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think when he was born, I was like, this is it. I'm going to do it. Then when he got older, I kind of talked myself into, okay, well, you know, while he's in daycare or whatever, I can work, you know, and go full time and then right. be back at home when he's at home. So I kind of navigated through that. But but this, the income part, the financial aspect is, is really something that I think what, you know, prevents a lot of people from leaving the law. Um, mm-hmm. And also this idea of, gosh, I've spent a significant amount of time and effort into building my career as a litigation attorney. Right. Um, so the idea of leaving all of that behind, you know, that investment that I put into it was, it was emotionally difficult and challenging. Yeah. It was something that was like, okay, you know, and then just, you know, disappointing my family, you know, and saying, okay, right. I'm not going to be doing that anymore. And even though I'm using a lot of all of the skills and, and the experience that I have, it was something like you're going into this uncharted kind of territory, right? And right. Um, so those were some of the mental hurdles that I had to kind of get over. And and again, I, I leaned heavily on, you know, the connections that I've made and mentors um, that I've had where I, you know, had to come to really get to that point to say, what is it really that's driving the work that I do? And right. once I once I did that and figured out, okay, my goal is to help create safe, positive, inclusive workplaces. So everything that I do has to be geared towards that and me having time with my family. So those two yeah. things became my my the way that I was going to go about doing it. Right. Yeah. So the financial challenges, I'll just I'll just say it's it's hard on everybody, right? Like I had yeah. to dip into my savings to cover the initial expenses. It got scary, you know, for a couple of years. And then here's what the, you know, this is a thing where you talk about uncertainty of going out on your own. I mean, literally I started in 2017, my business and literally got my company up and running in a month. And then for two years, I said, I was planting seeds, right? I was planting yeah. seeds everywhere. You, you can never, you never know when these seeds are going to sprout. Right. And just as I was getting to that point where I'd done several big conferences People knew who I was. I built my brand on LinkedIn. I'm ready to go. And then COVID happened. Right. right? So this was where I was like, okay, here we go. And then it was, again, it was like starting from scratch all over again with COVID because I was doing all my, my workshops and trainings in person. Mm -hmm. And now I couldn't do any of that. I, I wasn't set up for virtual at all. So I had to really take a hard look again at do I really want to continue doing this work if it's in a virtual environment or not? Right. Right. And, and I'm just curious in terms of, of that, like, even just like your nervous system, how do you handle that when in some ways you could say like, Oh my God, this is worst case. And this is, this is the thing that everybody is scared of is that you go out, you take this chance and then something out of your control drops a hammer down. And, you know, I mean, I know that you didn't give up on it. Right. So I'm just curious how you navigated that, that feeling and moving through it. Yeah, it was scary. Um, yeah. It was super scary because I'm a single mother. 
I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, one of the most expensive areas of for housing and rentals. Yeah. And so for me to, you know, it literally was living paycheck to paycheck when COVID happened for a first few months. Um, and, and, and then I was, again, dealing with the whole, I was the person that was out there saying, you got to do this in person for it to be effective. And now mm. I have to shift gears in my own head and wrap my head around technology and all of this. And so yeah. I, I was able to, one of the client relationships I had built with a company that they were already set to go with doing virtual workshops. And so they reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to come join our team of facilitators and help us do these virtual trainings? So I was really like fortunate to have that opportunity. So I sort of was, I, I was able to learn Zoom and learn virtual trainings and, and mm -hmm. kind of just figure it out. So what I did was I, I put myself on a probationary period, hmm. right? I said, okay, I'm going to try this for six months and I'm going to see, do I, how's my feedback? How's the feedback coming back from people? Are they getting the same out of my workshops? Is it positive? Right. And so I, I would collect the evaluations from the workshops and surprisingly the feedback that I was getting was just as good as my in-person, if not slightly better, because I was using all the Zoom functionalities, the polls, the breakout rooms. And right. so I had to learn all of that and adapt really quickly. Right. And then, you know, and so then when that six month mark rolled around, I reviewed everything and I said, okay, I love it. And now after doing this for virtually from that point to this point, I absolutely love doing it virtually yeah. um, because, you know, it, it, it is, there is a difference in having people being comfortable at home or in their own offices and being able to participate in these events. You know, if you do it in the right way, you can really get it to be impactful and engaging. Yeah. I just think it's, it's such a good example of you can't, you can't prepare for every possible thing that's going to happen. But what I hear from you is you, you trust your own resourcefulness and your own, you know, ability to learn new things and adapt. And it's that which is really your risk mitigator, not sort of avoiding every risk at every turn. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I also laugh because I was still working at the loss at Fordham Law School when uh, COVID hit and you have never seen a bunch of people less able to adapt to technology changing than like old law professors. Oh yeah. Uh, I can imagine. <laughs> they had to have like IT people go to their house in the middle of COVID just to get them set up. It was a disaster. I, most people did adapt, but there's certainly people who struggled with adapting to, to that new world reality. I yeah. can just imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, it was hard for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? it was yeah. Something that it, it took some time getting used to. And even just this morning, um, we did a, a virtual team building event at one of the clients that I'm consulting with, Nobody Studios. And, you know, we tried this um, new technology. And it was so interesting because the facilitator said, everybody take your, uh, turn your mute, you know, turn off your, uh, get off of mute. So mm -hmm. keep your volume on. And you can hear all these different noises, like animals, babies crying. <laughs> yeah. You heard all this noise and it was almost yeah. like shocking because you're right. like, you don't, we just mute right away. So we block out the noise. But when you listen to the environments that everybody is kind of working yeah. from and the challenges that they're dealing with, it gives you a whole different perspective on work, 
you yeah. know, and, and life and how we're all balancing all of that. It was really humbling yeah. to go through that experience. I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, how the world has changed for everyone. And, you know, to your point, like your value of being home with your your son, I think a lot of people because of COVID and this ability or necessity as it started um, of, of being from home has really shifted where people people's priorities and what they conceive of of sort of an appropriate work life balance is, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to hear a little bit more from you just because I I know this about you and you've if alluded to it a few times is just what an important part in your whole journey, really active networking has been. And what does that actually look like to you? Who are you connecting with? How do you approach that? Because I think sometimes, particularly when people are trying to move into maybe new areas of work, it's kind of like, what well, who am I? I don't even know who I'm connecting with. I'm just curious what your thought process around that has been as someone who, who is, you know, have been very successful in that realm. So at the beginning, when I first went on my own, my goal was very different. Mm-hmm. At the first couple of years of, so I'm starting from 2017. Um, when I went out on my own and started train extra, I, my goal on LinkedIn at that point, Megan, I had 700 connections. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, my goal was very focused on, I want to build my network. I want to grow my, the amount of people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn. So I only focused on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I would just restart reaching out to people that were in human resources, that were chief learning officers, you know, C-suite executives, basically decision makers yeah. on who, who was going to bring me in as a consultant to do these workshops, these very important workshops. And so mm-hmm. at first I was just sitting there sending connection requests. And as I mentioned earlier, I would then, I also was very big on networking. So, I mean, I would attend a lot of various networking groups. Um, mm-hmm. Since this was during COVID, a lot of those networking groups were now doing virtual meetups, right? And so I joined this one group, for example, called Inclusive Leadership in a Virtual World. And it was um, it's led by one of my um, colleagues, Matthew Cahill. And so he started this group and it's a group of consultants, just like myself, 30 to 50 consultants that show up week after week and we talk about different topics. And so I joined, you know, I joined the group. I joined a couple of other groups, networking groups, and really just started building those connections and kept planting those seeds. As my network started to grow, my shift changed, right? And now I was looking at, okay, you know, I got to, I think it was probably around, I was at, you know, 17,000 connections or something like that. So I went from 700 to 17,000. Between 14,000 and 17,000, I started looking at, okay, now let's change strategy. Now I want to get to know the 17,000 people that I'm connected to, really get to know them. So now I started really reaching out to people, scheduling one-on-one calls, and really did less of the group networking and really shifted gears to one-on-one building Mm. relationships. And now I started just jumping on virtual calls. Like literally the days that I was not training, I was scheduling six to eight calls a day. And I would get on, start talking to people for half an hour, 45 minutes and just start building those relationships. And then, you know, and then set up a system where, okay, you talk to this person on this day, you know, make sure you connect with them in another month and just started setting up this system where I was like, okay, I'm going to be, I was doing this all by myself. 
Yeah. But you know what? There are so many benefits to doing this by yourself because you really do build that personal connection right. and relationship with that person. So even if that relationship doesn't turn into business now, and this is a huge point for people that are listening, yeah. you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's one thing to have a hustle first mindset or that growth mindset, but it's also important to remember that not everything is going to happen right away. Like for me, yeah. a lot of the, the, the work didn't start coming in a year or two later after those conversations, but, but it required me to actively stay engaged with that person and keep them in, you know, putting them, sending them newsletters and so forth. And so my right. strategy changed significantly and I spent less time on LinkedIn and started focusing more time on building those relationships. And that yeah. eventually then starts to pay off, right? Yeah. Lots of hard work, lots of hard work. It is not easy. I mean, you know, kudos to people that can hire someone right away and help them with their marketing and all that. Good for you if you can do that. But for a lot of people, we're not able to do that because we're really trying to get off the ground right and so right but it but it you know now with with all the different social media platforms and everyone being more comfortable with video conferencing there's a lot of different ways we can communicate slack right so there's a yeah there's a lot you can do to make the process more efficient definitely yeah and i think part of it is just um you know <laughs> I, i'm sure you've had these these conversations is is a lot of us get into law because for a variety of reasons, we, you know, or justice mind mindset, or, you know, we like sort of the mental challenge, or we're just good at it, right. And then I think, no matter what you're doing, at some point, even if you want to stay practicing law, typically, there's some point at which, all of a sudden, you're expected to bring in business. And it's like, what, I have to do marketing. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. so it, it's hard to find a space in which that is irrelevant and it may be something that is more or less comfortable for people. Um, but you know, just the commitment to it and knowing that it's okay if it's a long game, right? Like even in right. just building that into your thought process is okay. It's, it's okay if it's a long game, I'll, I'll plan around that, but, um, but not just, waiting to try and turn it on when all of a sudden you now have something you want to pitch to people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 17,000 is a lot of people to, <laughs> to, to try to meaningfully connect with. Obviously 17,000 is probably more than you can meaningfully connect with. But. Yeah. I did not, I did not connect with everybody. And, and, yeah. and, and, and now I'm over like 30, I'm at like 34,000. Right. And I don't know a yeah. lot of those people. So, but, right. but, you know, just shifting that gear to be more targeted, you know, into building relationships rather than the connections. Um, that that was really important because then that's when I realized like okay you know there it, this is the time to level up now right mm -hmm. and so no matter how how much you market you know unless you get that personal connection especially with the work that I'm doing right these people yeah. are bringing me into their organizations they're trusting me that yeah. I'm not going to go in there and, and and harm their culture right so that really right. boils down to that personal connection and I think as lawyers that's something that we're good at most of us right I mean especially as a litigation attorney. I was interacting with people all day long. So me being the art of persuasion and the art of conflict, you know, helping people see their pain points is something that I was really, really, again, using those legal skills really helped me in my marketing yeah. aspect yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in all, both the substance and the process, it sounds like um, it's not like you left everything you learned 
at the door. (laughs) Absolutely not. No, my legal training has been incredibly valuable, right? Even if you look at just the, the, the strong foundation it gave me as far as critical thinking, analytical skills, you know, attention to detail. These are all things that I use in my consulting and my workshops that I do. And also, but also I think even broader than that, you know, to get that deep understanding of regulatory and the compliance law, especially in in my area of focus, employment law, having that knowledge and background really allows me to give a more comprehensive guidance Mm-hmm. right to organizations and and then also let's not forget about the fact of you know when we're arguing cases in front of a jury you know we have to we have to really fine tune the ability to interpret complex information and communicate that effectively mm-hmm. you know and so that's been instrumental in my delivering trainings on topics like anti-harassment diversity inclusion these are very um you know heavy topics and so for me to be able to to, to do that really came from arguing those cases before judges or juries, right? Yeah. And so overall, my legal training has really, really empowered me to do a better job in the work that I'm doing today. Yeah. And I'm curious in terms of sort of how you develop what your, you know, your sessions and, you know, is there an element, it sounds to me like there is of like, yes, you have these like facts that you're delivering, but it also sounds like there's a lot of creativity that you get to bring to how it is you present all of this. Absolutely. I mean, just like you would be preparing for a jury trial, right? You're doing Mm -hmm. a lot of preparation. My, all of my workshops are customized Mm -hmm. to my client. So same thing. I have to research the client. I have to understand the client's needs. I have to understand their pain points, just like in a deposition. You know, I I do a pre-call, pre-discovery call with all my clients to really understand where they are because yes, there is set content, so, for example, you know, my one of my workshops that I do is called Civility, Foster Building and Fostering Civility at Work. Mm-hmm. Now, this comes from really as an employment law attorney, I saw a lot of incivility at work. Right. And I saw why <laughs> that was happening. So I created a program which is like to do the opposite. Let's foster civility right from the beginning. Let's make that the foundation. Yeah. And so a lot of that is incorporating all of the information that I've learned as a lawyer, but it also needs to be very persuasive, right? Because I can sit there and talk about it. Right. If nobody buys into it, they're not engaged. If they're not going to remember the workshop, then it's meaningless. And I'm not going in there to hear myself talk. I'm really going right. to help create a better culture. So, so that precision, that professionalism, that unique perspective that I got from being a lawyer really has come into play with, the work that I do now and the workshops that I offer and, and allowing me to present that information in a sort of more, I use a lot of my law, lawyer techniques, you know, sometimes I'll say, okay, I'm going to give you a closing argument now. Yeah. I use a lot of those same, um, you know, techniques as well yeah. to really help everybody understand um, this information and not only understand it, but remember it. Right. Because they need to remember it and use it in their day to day. So it's really helped me become more well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the nature of what you do is isn't so totally divorced from your your legal practice. So this may not have been such an issue. But I am always curious to ask when people sort of move into something and kind of declare themselves an expert. Did you battle any sort of imposter syndrome in sort of putting out your your shingle and saying this is what I do? I did. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, because 
arguing cases in front of a jury, you've got 12 people there that you have to, you know, persuade um, and, and show them the facts of what your case is all about. Here it's different. You know, here I'm looking to change behavior. You know, I'm not just here to persuade a jury right here. What I'm doing is I am, I have to persuade, I have to impact every person in that room. Sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's up to a thousand people in a virtual training room. Right. Right. And so, so you do get really nervous because there, there's the opportunity of some not resonating with somebody or somebody debating a point that I'm making you know, can happen at at any moment. So I could be standing there and somebody can ask me a question and I I have to be able to quickly respond on my feet. Well, I did that in the courtroom. This is different because I'm now directly interacting with that person and everybody is, is a part of this experience. And so at the beginning, I was really nervous, but you know, when I was training as a professor at those universities, that really helps kind of Mm. help me with that a little bit. And I started off with just focusing on employment law. So I was area that I already knew the the law. Mm -hmm. I was already knowledgeable. So I had the expertise, but actually doing it. But so I felt like that was my baby steps, you know, like teaching in a university was like my baby steps before I could take it out into corporations, right? So it's always interesting because I I think part of that following your interests is so important because even if it's you know you don't become a professor that experience played into helping you down the road and maybe you don't even know exactly how it's going to play into it but just following your natural curiosity and what appeals to you will if you continue to do that the pieces tend to make sense in retrospect yeah (laughs) yeah so tell us a little bit about like where you see yourself going from here yeah. So, you know, I, I have a lot going on. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I, with, with my work at train extra, I'm committed to continuing my efforts in creating safe, positive, inclusive cultures across the globe. I'm, I'm doing a lot of different initiatives, talks. I have a lot of different collaborations going on where I know that my work is contributing to that broader cultural shift, mm-hmm. um, that really sort of you know, values diversity, but also empowers individuals within workplaces. That's really the goal is, is not to put it on any one person, but really to empower everybody within a a workplace culture so that they have the skills, they have the tools, they have the strategies to help them navigate, you know, the situations that are going to happen at every organization, no matter what, no matter, you know, if you put the best people in an organization, you're still going to learn run into challenges because of the diversity you have there. Right. So it's all about empowering. And then with nobody studios, the company I just mentioned, you know, we're, we're aiming to build a hundred new companies in the next five years. So this is really going to help me extend my impact on a much larger scale and create meaningful change within organizations worldwide. So I'm really, I'm really excited and looking forward to what's, what's on my horizon for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And any regrets with, with leaving practice? <laughs> you know, that's a good question, Megan. I, I would say that, you know, while the decision to leave law practice was a significant one, I don't regret it. You know, yeah. um, there were, obviously we talked about a lot of the challenges that were, that I ran into along the way. Yeah. I've really found fulfillment and purpose, you know, in my, in my new path. And, and honestly, the opportunity to make this positive impact proactively Mm-hmm. has been incredibly rewarding, you know? And so yeah. I'm, 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 I've embraced 
the 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 challenge of you know the uncertainties that came along with it and yeah. i i love where i'm going so nice. no regrets and if you had a piece of advice if someone were out there sort of struggling with you know making a, a move particularly into entrepreneurship is there any last piece of advice you would leave them with sure i would you know i would say trust your instincts and have confidence in your abilities right i think you know, the journey is always going to be challenging, but it's important to just rely on your skills and your experiences to help guide you. I think the other thing is to be patient with yeah. yourself, right? Like be patient with yourself. I mean, for some of us, we have a lot of high expectations of ourselves, <laughs> yes. right? And, and especially during transitions, we want everything to happen right away, but we have to understand and be patient that setbacks are a part of the process some some you can avoid and some you just can't so i yeah i, I think for me you know when i went through those hard times i just kept focused on my passion for yeah. creating positive workplace calls i kept that at the forefront like always i'm right. like okay this way isn't working but here's the goal and, and let me let me just adjust the strategy and let me get guidance and support from people but let me keep moving in that direction and just believing yeah. in yourself yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's great advice and, and highlights the importance of feeling really attached to what you're doing because that is what pulls you through yeah. with the patients and any setbacks that you hit. Um, well, let's, let us know where people can find you and perhaps connect with you on, on LinkedIn and add to your 35,000 connections. Yes, please do. I'm on LinkedIn. I would love, I would love to connect with people yeah. on LinkedIn. Um, you can always check out my website, train extra. It's www.trainx. So there's no E X T R A.com. And I would also, I would also tell, I would, I would urge people you know, recommend that you watch my two TEDx talks that I've done on unconscious bias and belonging, because they really do dive into important aspects of fostering inclusive workplace cultures and hopefully offer insights that resonate with um, your journeys as well. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and having this conversation. It's been such a pleasure chatting. Appreciate the invitation, Megan. Thank you yeah. so much. Please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know if there's anything else I can do to support you. Oh, thank you. Likewise.